Hi, I'm Robin Birkin. Welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice, and real talk. To me, being a warrior means knowing that true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to feel afraid, and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. And I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode. I am thrilled to have you here. You know, sometimes I look at the length of my podcasts and I'm like, oh, wow, I felt like I talked for so long, but that was so short. But I actually really appreciate when I listen to podcasts, people who get straight to the point. So that's exactly what I am going to do. I'm very excited to bring you today's podcast episode. It's all about IVF tips, what I wish I knew. So when I was thrust into the world of infertility, what kind of preconceptions did I have? What are the things that I wish I had known before I started? So I'm going to dive right in, as I said I would. And number one is the tests. Boy, are there a lot of tests involved when it comes to infertility. I never knew that there would be so many tests and also such invasive tests involved. We had all sorts of tests. I've all sorts of people who looked at my minouche and Ross had people who were touching him as well, which I'm kind of glad for because I didn't want it all to be me. He needed to be involved in this in several regards. So that was quite good. But oh my goodness, all of the tests. And I wish that I had known right from the start to always get a printout of my test results. I've mentioned this in several episodes. If I can recommend one thing, please get the results from those tests so you can see from yourself. But I had no idea that there would be so many tests and I didn't know that I would be spending so many of my mornings at the fertility clinic getting my bloods taken. So you need to get when you are going through, even if it's just a tracking cycle in the month, you go for several blood tests to get your hormones measured. So you know, like at the very beginning of your cycle, everything should be at zero. Then as you come up to ovulation, your estrogen should be rising. Then you have what's called a luteinizing hormone surge just before ovulation that then triggers ovulation and your luteal phase. Your luteal phase is the second half of your cycle. And that's when your progesterone starts to rise. And I forgot their follicle-stimulating hormone, which rises at the beginning of your cycle as well. So they need to measure that because there's all these rises and falls and things going on, and that's how they tell whether or not you've ovulated. They check your progesterone to check if that's high enough to see if it's viable for a baby. And so there's all of these things that they need to test at multiple times in the month. So many, many times I would have to drive to the hospital, which is where my fertility clinic was located and have these blood tests. Oh my, and also the tests when you, you know, first get analyzed and you get tests for all of the STIs, you get physical exams, you get an HSG, which we'll be doing an episode on. So all of these different tests. The next thing is the injections. You know, when we first started at a fertility clinic, I thought I was a badass because I was going to be injecting myself. 
Yep, you have to inject yourself. Most often, you get your own sharps container. I used to have a sharps container by my bed. I used to duck off and inject myself. Sometimes I'd have to inject myself at work. Crazy. I never saw that. But also, what I wish I had known is that the injections, once it came down to it, would be like nothing. I think whenever we first start needing injections, it's a big deal. Like, oh my God, and we think we're a badass. But then when you come a few cycles in, because not everything has gone to plan, which most of us, I don't think, fall pregnant on the first try, it ain't no thing. It's another part of it. It becomes like a daily routine. Injections become no big deal. And that is the second thing that I wish I had known. The third thing that I wish I had known about all of this is that it all takes so much longer than you think it will take. Everything takes longer. You have to wait months to get into the clinic. Then you have to wait months for your next appointment. Then you have to wait for the test results. Then you have to wait for this. Then they tell you that one result showed X, Y, Z. So then you have to wait for that. Then you have to wait. I had to wait when we decided that we were going to do IVF. I then had to wait for three months because we needed to go to a counseling session and an information session. So then we had to wait. And you just want everything to happen yesterday because here you are. You've been trying most likely on your own for some time. You're freaking desperate. I was so desperate. I just wanted this all to happen yesterday. And we went pretty fast through our cycles like we do. We did two ovulation inductions, then we did two IUIs. Um, And we went through things fairly fast, but everything still took months. And in that time, we completely put our lives on hold in the pursuit of having a baby. We stopped going on holidays. You know, like we didn't live life. I wasn't drinking. I was super no fun Robin, like didn't drink at all. I had a really strict diet, but I lived in hope that in the month in between my cycles, I would fall pregnant, but I completely put my life on hold in the pursuit of falling pregnant, expecting everything to happen sooner. And everything took so long. Everything takes so long. The next thing that I wish I had known is that the eggs always drop off. You'll know if you've had a retrieval already, you'll be like, "Uh uh-huh, yes, Robin, they do. But you go for, like, when you're going for an IVF retrieval, a little bit before they'll do an ultrasound and they'll do an ultrasound to see, okay, well, how many follicles do you have? So follicles is what they call eggs before their eggs. How many follicles are there and how big are they? And they'll be like, they'll do an ultrasound and they could be like, wow, you've got 12. The numbers for this vary considerably. You could have three or you could have 40. The numbers really vary. I think I had like 46. I was always a hyperstimulator. So they'll be, they'll be looking there and they'll be like, wow, you've got 12 follicles there that are really good size. And sometimes you'll be like, yes, even if they, sometimes they're like, you've got three follicles and you, you might be disappointed with three follicles. Or you might be really happy with three follicles, but the numbers always still drop off. So you might be very lucky and then they still retrieve three follicles. But if you were like me, a lot of them are kind of just empty follicles, like just little fluid pockets, things. So then when you wake up from your retrieval, they're like, congratulations, they retrieved 18. And you're like, what the fuck? 
like I had this ultrasound and the lady was like, yes, 45. But the numbers always drop off. And then I remember when we had our first retrieval, I think they, let's say they retrieved like 12, right? And then like immediately after they kind of see how many survive and then the number went down to nine and then they went to fertilize them for IVF and the number that fertilized was only three. And so for me, it was like, how did I go from such a high number to such a low number? And that was what happened. And then, you know, if you have any leftover, then it's how many survive to freeze and then it's how many survive to thaw. That number can get low really quickly. Some ladies just produce like a couple of really good quality eggs. But if I was starting the process again, I wish that I had known that the numbers always go down. Like, and that's totally normal. The second round, you know, I was fairly okay with everything. We did ICSI because such a low number fertilized. I think they recommend about 75% of eggs should be fertilized by the sperm. So we then did, we did ICSI, but so many of them, mine didn't survive the thaw when they came out the freezer. So we only had two goes. We were very lucky that that's what gave us Olivia, but the numbers always go right down. The next thing that I wish I knew is that people won't understand and they will always ask too many questions. The one thing that I didn't see coming was I was really, really open on our journey. I told everyone all of the ins and outs of our journey. I told them when our retrievals were and then it blindsided me because then everybody wanted to know when I got the test to know whether it was successful or not which is, i.e., can you tell me straight away if you're pregnant or not? And I was like, damn, I like, I totally cooked that because I shouldn't have told everyone my exact, where I was in exactly in my cycle, because then on the day of the test, everyone was messaging me saying, was it successful or not? So often when it was negative, I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, it didn't work. But then when I had the one positive test, so later I miscarried, but when I had this one positive test, I then was pregnant, but didn't want to tell anyone. So it was this really awkward conversation of, oh, they're not really sure at the moment. And then I was like, how can you be half pregnant? Turns out you can be half pregnant, which is a story for another day, but in that really awkward position. Then, you know, I obviously had a few more goes that the next time I was really cagey about everything. On one cycle, I said, oh, no, we're just having a break at the moment and didn't tell anyone. On the next cycle, I was really vague with my dates. And at one point, I think I started just saying to people, don't call me, I'll call you. When I have good news that I want to share with you, trust me, I will let you know. And that was probably the best thing that I did. You get better as time goes on. And so, you know, I kind of said, look, when we have good news, we'll share it with you. We're in the throes of IVF now. You know, we're doing cycle after cycle after cycle and test after test after test. If I have something noteworthy, then I'll make sure that I send you a message. So my next tip is my second last one, and that it's that the procedures aren't actually the hard part. It's all the mental stuff. It's the waiting, the meantime, the lack of control that you feel. It's the disappointment month after month. It's everybody else feeling like they're or you feeling like everyone around you is falling pregnant and you're not. It's all of that kind of stuff that is the stuff that's really hard when you're going through this. The procedures, the pain, I mean, we can be focused 
sometimes on that, like, what am I going to need? What's this all about? What happens here? And I think that sometimes that's actually just the really easy part that we can just go along with the flow and trust in our medical team and their procedures. But the really hard part is going to be the mental marathon. Those two words, mental marathon. What I wish I had known is that it would feel like a marathon that took a really long time, that took like, that made me feel like I had no energy left on my journey. The very last thing that I wish I had known, which kind of comes back to time, is that I shouldn't put my life on pause, that I should live my life every day, that one month, you know, like foregoing one cycle so that I could go on a holiday and actually live my life so that, you know, five days if I really, really wanted to do a juice cleanse, that it wouldn't be the end of the world if I just did that. Sometimes we can think as we're getting older, I'm coming up to my late 30s now, so I was I only started trying to conceive when I turned 30 and then immediately felt this ticking time bomb, so felt like every single cycle that we had counted, and it's not true. One cycle here and there will not make or break everything. It does not depend on one cycle, and when it's your mental health that's at stake, I would have absolutely kept living my life. That one drink here or there would not have made or broken everything. I completely would not have put my life on pause. I would have really made a concerted effort to live life more, or even, you know, more of an effort that you normally would to go out and live life, to seize every opportunity, to lean into what feels good and to, you know, do things that scared me every day to just make sure that I was absolutely looking after myself and getting the most out of life. So those are the things that I wish I knew before IVF. I would love to hear from you. Drop me a DM on Insta. Let me know that you've listened to the episode. Catch me on Facebook, find my Facebook page, the Facebook group. Let me know. What things do you wish that you knew? I would love to hear. Please let me know. Or if any of those tips were helpful, I would love to know also. But thank you for tuning into this episode and I will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources, and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinbirkin.com. And if you liked this podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review it. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.